Welcome to Fast Break. I'm Jonathan Hood. A very special Fast Break because there's so much going on in the NBA playoffs. And of course, this Fast Break is brought to you by Illinois Media School in Lombard. Go to the website beonair.com. It's beonair.com or call 630-916-1700. You don't like your job? You don't like your career? Consider Illinois Media School to get your career started in broadcasting. Nick Friedel is with me here who covers the NBA for ESPN.com. He joins me here on ESPN One thousand nick as always man i appreciate it thanks for coming on the show always my man this is a special edition of fast break because there's so much to talk about here with the team that you covered let's let's let the audience in you were covering the golden state warriors and then you were covering the brooklyn nets and so i mean both stories are hot on both coasts but this whole thing with the nets Nick, you had to see this coming. As soon as you put your bags down in Brooklyn, you knew that this was going to be a mess, right? This is something that you'd see on VH1 or MTV as far as scripted television. This was not good from the beginning, correct? Uh, Very correct. I got here the day before the start of the new year. And a few days later, that's when Kyrie played for the first time. And Hoodie, you kind of went, oh boy, (laughs) this is going to be an interesting ride. And in all the years that I've been doing this and you and I've been having these conversations, I can't remember a more interesting team day to day. The only thing that compares, and there are a lot of similarities between the two, was the Warriors a few years back in Kevin Durant's final year in Oakland. That team and the drama that surrounded that team was much like this Brooklyn Nets team with. Kevin and Kyrie and Harden leaving and Simmons coming and then never playing. There was just always something else going on besides the games themselves. So from a journalistic standpoint, as a writer, it's been great. There's always something happening. And that's why for as much intrigue as there has been about this team and the end of its season, next year is going to be a lot of the same stuff because all the same characters are probably going to be in play together so uh, it's been a a a long last couple months but a fun one from a uh, a writing perspective because to be able to talk about this team and and be around them day to day you realize that you're at the center of one of the most interesting stories in the league right now bill simmons had this on twitter from the ringer now, since Kyrie Irving left LeBron, he's played 22 playoff games and missed 22. So that's 50% of the playoff games since he left LeBron. 164 games missed the last five years also for Kyrie Irving. So we all saw this, right, nationally, your contentious battles with Kyrie, you asking a simple question and him twisting and turning it into what he wanted to as far as what was on his mind. But let's start with Kyrie because – let me tell you something, Nick. Like you're asking him point blank, simple, pretty much layup questions at times, just trying to get some context of what he's thinking, and it's always twisted and turned. So, what are your thoughts on Kyrie, especially his last press conference, pretty much saying, "Yeah, you know, at the off here in the off season, we'll get to with management and we'll figure things out." And you know, you know, the big issue with the team is that we just weren't together, and you know, other teams had that um, had the opportunity to be together and have more, more cohesive. Wait a minute, you're part of the issue. You're part of the problem. What do you think of the last couple of things Kyrie had to say? 
the self-awareness or lack thereof is is stunning sometimes, Hoodie, with Kyrie. And again, in in my role, I've actually enjoyed the back and forth <laughs> because I'm just I listen to what he says sometimes, and I'm like, what? You know, what's going on? And I, that's that's been really intriguing day to day because you mentioned that the the one back and forth we had that that caught some attention after game one but as you know because we've been talking about it since i got here that's that was like the ninth time Kyrie and i have gone back and forth about something so it's not like a new a new thing the the interesting part about the Kyrie situation to me is Kyrie when he was playing once a week when the vaccination mandate hadn't been rolled back, he was awesome. I mean, offensively, he is an incredibly talented player. When he came back and he had to play every other night again, it wasn't the same player. And when you factor that in on top of the issues that he's had the last couple seasons, not being available all the time, there were a variety of different things that kept him off the floor – I just don't know how, if you're the Nets, you can feel comfortable about signing Kyrie long-term. But I say that, and it comes with a gigantic caveat. And the caveat is Kevin Durant wants him there. And if you want to keep Kevin Durant happy, and that is crucial for the Nets because everything in the organization revolves around Kevin, then I guess you just have to suck it up and say, okay, uh, Kyrie, you're you're going to be here for a while, but I just can't even imagine the headaches behind the scenes for the front office and Sean Marks and his staff and Joe Sy, the owner, in the conversations that must be had about well, do we really trust Kyrie to to be out there night after night? But knowing that Kevin wants him there, and so long as that's the case, anybody says, ah, well. You know, just get rid of Kyrie. It's not worth the headache. It is if you're keeping Kevin Durant and you're still getting Kevin Durant in his prime. And uh, at, at that part of the net story, those two are completely linked because they are the present and future of whatever's going on. It's just that Kyrie thinks he's on Kevin's level as a player. And from what I saw, Hoodie, in these last few months, while he can still do it individually at times, again, incredibly talented offensively, to think that he's anywhere close to where Kevin Durant is, who, despite his struggles in the Celtics series, for my money, is still the best player in basketball. That is that is something that uh, has got to be keeping the Nets front office up a lot of nights because Ke- Kyrie is just not on that level anymore mm-hmm. to where Kevin is as a player. Yeah, if you're KD... Why rely and try to vouch for someone who's not available? I mean, Nick, I mean, 164 games missed in the last five seasons. I, want to, I don't want to gloss over that. This is times where, where Kyrie decided to just bounce and not tell the organization where he was going during George Floyd. There's a guy here that did not want to get vaccinated. That's his choice. I want to make sure that that's clear. If he didn't want to be uh, vaccinated, that's fine. But yet you were in and out of the lineup until you were full-time in the lineup uh, in New York. And so I can't rely on him. No matter how talented he is, KD shouldn't hitch his wagon to someone who's not there for him. Odie, I agree with you, but that's one of Kevin's closest friends. And 
I respect the loyalty that Kevin has shown to Kyrie time and time again because at every turn when a lot of people were turning on Kyrie and the basketball world certainly had turned on Kyrie in the wake of the vaccine stuff, Kevin stood up for him over and over and over again. So from a distance, I understand, you know, why is Kevin Durant, who is still such an incredible player, a generational talent, why has he hitched his wagon to Kyrie? They're just that close. And unless that changes, I think you'll just see that tearing and that relationship continue. And there's not a stronger answer other than Kevin feels the loyalty towards Kyrie. He respects him as a, a, a talent every night. But again, from what I've seen and from what we've seen in the past, if we're using history as our guide. There's just no way I'd feel comfortable if I'm the Nets making that kind of commitment. But again, and it's worth repeating over and over, if you commit to Kyrie, you are also fully committing to Kevin. And when you are running an NBA team that is run by superstars all across the league, that's the deal that you got to make. Listen, a player can play whenever he wants to play in this league because I understand that they do have the power of freedom. And if they want to not play, you know, if there's an injury or they don't feel 100%, they have every right. However, if I'm Sean Marks in the front office of the Nets, Nick, KD had his way this year, but now this is on me. If I'm if I'm the front office of the Nets, no matter what KD says, KD has not put together a good enough product to win the East or let alone win the championship. So if I'm Sean Marks, no matter if uh, KD balks to it or not, at some point I got to get my power back. KD wanted to have Kyrie. He wanted to have James Harden. Harden bounces to Philadelphia. You, there's Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't play. Kyrie doesn't play. KD... You know, again, you you mentioned he gave his all, especially that last game. But you could just tell that he. It seems like the whole team was bearing down on his shoulders, where it wasn't even the KD we saw even last year. So, if I'm the front office, I think I'm saying, okay, I understand, I hear you out, I understand what you want, but here's what we want because we want to be healthy and with a chance to win. And if you say that to him, hoodie, in this case, you run the risk of Kevin saying, "All right, I'm out." Okay. And if you're the Nets, that's just not a risk that they're willing to take. Because, again, Kevin is the best of the best. And if he signs off on on Kyrie being there, then Kyrie is going to be there. But I see what you're saying, and it's a, a feeling shared in the league by plenty of people who say, why is Kevin – so loyal to someone you can't count on. And I've been in this now day to day and I've seen it. And I would just tell everybody he is, and that is his choice. And he still believes he can win with Kyrie and and maybe they can prove everybody wrong going into next season. We'll see. But based on what I have seen, that would be a real surprise given not only the power structure involved, but the, the lack of, uh, accountability sometimes that Kyrie will be out there on a nightly basis. I thought you were going to say that the opinion of Nets fans, but I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> like, like, that, <laughs> hoodie, I'm, in truth, while we're on that, yeah, I am 
I'm almost stunned at how small this fan base is. It, it's going from Chicago, where so many people care about the Bulls, mm-hmm. and it's such a uh, and a, a talking point throughout the city all the time. And then I go out to the Bay, and that whole region is obsessed with the Warriors and Steph and Clay and Draymond. To come here, there's just not much of a fan base. Uh, and it's such a much bigger story nationally because of all the drama and intrigue going on with this team. But the the New York area, they just talk about the Knicks all the time, all the time. And that's why, to me, it, it just this this storyline and this organization, they are fascinating because you've got two Broadway players now in Kevin and Kyrie that are playing off Broadway in Brooklyn with a, a fan base that is very, very small. And if they played for the Knicks, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. what it would be like day to day in this city. Uh, and, and all the, uh, the back page headlines and the constant chatter about what's happening. But uh, that part a few months into this new assignment for me has been, it's been something because there just is not a big base here. It's almost like they dropped an expansion here team here, you know, 10 years ago or so, and there's trying to build it up and there's, there is some support. Sure. But it is just not close to so many other teams and so many other bigger markets. It's uh I know that you're going to think this is hyperbole because, you know, I could do that from time to time. But honest to God, Nick, all my years of working at uh, Series 6M NBA Radio, I've never taken a Nets call. Oh, wow. I'm a, it, never. Now, you know, I've been with Sirius wow. for, for seven years. I've never said heard from someone that says, hey, I'm from New Jersey. I'm from, you know, some part of New York and said, hey, you know, I got a thought on the Nets. Never. Never. Like, uh, 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 it's now, interesting. Now, you'll get that from Utah or Dallas, and someone has a thought about Brooklyn because it's a national story. But someone that mm-hmm. says, I'm a diehard Nets fan, and here are my thoughts. I've never taken a call on the Nets. And, and, and all I can tell you yeah. is that everything I've seen out here backs up exactly that. Because it's not that Nets fans don't exist. There there definitely are some. It's just that the the in the move from going from Jersey over they just don't have a base it is so <laughs> so small and to think that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are playing on a team that <laughs> just does not have much of a fan base is, is something it is something Trying to figure out how to handle this Ben Simmons story, Nick. And I know that you probably thought about this as well because you covered the team. So he comes over to Brooklyn, and many thought, okay, a new address, a new coat of paint uh, for his career. He's with the Nets, and so he'll play and he'll feel wanted and in a circle with Kyrie and KD because that sounds like a winning environment because of the way the two have played. And Ben Simmons doesn't play. Yeah, the, the Nets are down 0-3, but before that, we heard within the Simmons circle that he would be playing in Game 4. As soon as that series went 0-3, all of a sudden, back issues. I can't play. Nick, there's two sides to this. The one side is saying Ben Simmons has got to be able to play. Players that I've talked to off the record and on the record have told me, 
uh, it, uh, that players will respect you more if you give it an effort and try and fail than for you to, to get dressed and not play at all. Uh, that's one side. The other side is the, the mental health issue. If it is true that he's going through mental health issues and that he's afraid to play or afraid to fail and that affects him in one way, shape, or form, then he should not be in, a, in an NBA uniform, let alone an arena, uh, and should step away from the game until he feels like he's right. It's, 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 it's tough because I could just give like the, the hard take of this guy's jaking it. He's just taking the money. He doesn't want to play. But then the other side that we hear about is the, the mental health issue. If it is the case, Nick, he should not be around basketball. So how do you handle that yourself since you've been covering this team? As far as the last couple of weeks go, for context, I never thought he was going to play. And the report started popping out. In the last couple of weeks, all right, he's going to come back at some point in the Celtics series. But, Hoodie, I, I say that because I, I was listening to not only what Nash said, and, and his credibility isn't very good with the media because he's all over the place as far as uh, whether or not you believe he's telling the full truth or not. But when you listen to his teammates, and I'm talking not just – KD, Kyrie, I mean like Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Bruce Brown. They all said the same thing in the days leading up to when he was supposed to return. Because I, I kept asking him, I said, do you think he's going to play? And they're like, we have no idea. <laughs> he hadn't played in scrimmages or practices with any of the guys he would have been playing with because he was playing with guys at the end of the bench. Those guys, the the, the guys who were getting big minutes, they weren't coming in on their off day and running through four-on-four scrimmages. That was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was such a strange scenario. I think from a broader standpoint in the discussion of Simmons, the key to me, and this is what followed him during his time in Philly, and this is what I think is going to follow him until, until he proves otherwise in Brooklyn, is how badly does he want to play? On the day initially, and this is a couple months ago in February, where they were really supposed to ramp it up and he was going to do more, he came in and he said, look, my, you know, my back hurts. And so they went out of their way. They did everything they could to, to check and see what was going on. It turned out he had a herniated disc. He got an epidural. But the Nets were, were thinking, okay, like let's get this healed. Let's make sure he's in a good mental space and let's see what happens. And, and Hoodie, again, just from my standpoint, we're talking about nine days ago, I walked in that practice gym, and he looks over at me because he saw I was holding my camera, and he's like, hey, make sure you get this. And he dunks, and he's like, there you go. And that was like a day after he had talked to the media for the first time since the deal went down, and he said, you know, I'm confident I'll fit in. I, I believe I'll fit in. And, and his teammates who had seen him, a lot of the younger guys were like, he's walking around like uh, he's got – all his swagger back, like he's ready. So it, it's just a really strange situation because for whatever you think about Kevin Durant, I'm here to tell you that the guy puts in the work. There's a reason why he's one of the greatest we've ever seen because day to day he is putting in the time it takes to reach that level. So what I'm curious about moving forward is as Simmons – continues to make his way back, and you'd think he would feel better back-wise and continue uh, the mental health discussions that he's having with 
whatever member of, of uh, his team that he continues to have them with. How much does he want to play? Because if you're around Kevin Durant, uh, and I think Kyrie puts in work, but you know, you're just not sure if he's going to be out there. But if you're around a group that is wanting to, to take another step and win a championship, and you show them that you don't want to play, that is going to get really rocky really quickly. And it's the same thing that happened with James Harden and, and his uh, exit. There were a lot of reasons why, but it was very clear at the end that he had just kind of quit and he didn't want to be there anymore. And it, it, it was a reason why the net season went the way it did. And the pushback to that is, well, Kyrie didn't get the vaccine and, and that frustrated Harden and maybe the, the relationship with KD had gotten rocky. But when you don't have everybody pulling in the same direction, you can't win in this league no matter how talented you are. And the Nets are a case study in that this season. And as far as Simmons goes, if he doesn't show that early on next year, uh, they're just never going to be the team that everybody thought they could. Is he afraid to fail? I don't know him well enough I mean, you, give but, you that answer listen, right now. He, he's missed... 275 games since he was uh, deemed the first pick in the draft. That's 19th most games missed in that draft class. I mean, that's that's a ton, Nick. I mean, that's that's a problem. Like, this is a real topic, though, is it not? I mean, regarding Ben Simmons, right? Absolutely. Okay. I, and when you've missed that much time and when you have used the mental health issue in the way in which Simmons has used the hoodie, because other guys, and DeMar DeRozan is a prime example who comes to Mar and he's acknowledged the issues he's had with mental health, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are dealing with stuff that don't talk about it. But DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, those are the two biggest examples I can think of off the top of my head. They've been open about the issues they've dealt with, but they've continued to play. And the difference here is we have not seen Ben Simmons play since last June in that game seven where he just disappeared and the back issues have always been there. But when you combine the back issues with the mental health stuff, you are going to have a hell of a lot of questions to answer. And the only way to answer them is to come out on the floor and play at an extremely high level and hoodie until he does that. All the same questions will be there day after day after day. And he's going to have to deal with whatever comes his way in that regard. The bull season is done. Uh, they are exactly who I thought they were going to be. And for all the people that were coming at me in January, <laughs> over and over and over again, I just say, yeah. where are we at the end of April here? Well, there it is. Well, it just, and again, I will give the Bulls credit for be actually being in the mix. You had a really good first half. And here's the thing I keep saying. Like Billy Donovan said, there was a curve in our schedule in which we started playing well. I give the Bulls credit for all the injuries in COVID, like a lot of other teams had. They had the same issues, but yet they got into the postseason. But they ran to a bus saw, the champs, the Bucks, and there was no way for the Bulls to beat the Bucks in this in this situation. At least not in a, in a seven game series. Um, they could have actually been up two zero in this series, but it just shows you the difference between. You know, really trying hard and having some talent and then having difference-making talent like Giannis, right? So it just, in the offseason, I, I, if you're a Bulls fan, you hope they can take another step. But 
in order to be the Celtics and be so good defensively, to to be the Heat that have that Heat culture that that have bonded really well, and they're a very good uh, basketball team. To be the Bucks, the champs, you're going to have to have that difference making talent, and the Bulls just don't have that just as of yet. Odie, you and I have been talking about it for many years, but even this season, and that's why I, I am happy for the city that. The Bulls reminded everybody how much fun it can be at the UC when they're winning, but you, you got to almost couch everything because they were winning a bunch of games against a bunch of bad teams. Like when they started playing teams, especially in the second half, that were any good, they were getting drilled. So that that record was a lot of empty calories to start, and when they got knocked back to reality. It was very clear that they just were never as good as that record appeared to be. But to the point about the Stars, that is crucial. Superstars win in the postseason. The Bulls don't have superstars. DeRozan had an unbelievable year. He played great. He's not a superstar. Zach Levine, I've only said it for you know like five years now, not a superstar. That's why I laughed every time Cap or Sylvie's going, oh, I think this team has a legit chance to to get out of the East this year. I would just sit there listening like, what in the hell am I watching? And what am I listening to? But this team, and this is the problem, when you make the deal that you did for Vucevic and you you give up the draft picks that you did and you've got to make the decision on Levine. This was my point all along, dating back to last summer. You've gone all in on a team that at its highest ceiling – maybe was going to get out of the first round. And I just don't know where they go from here because in order to believe that the Bulls are going to take that next step that you're talking about, you've got to believe that DeRozan can have the same type of year that he had this season, which would be a huge stretch because he was so awesome this year. You've got to believe that Levine's going to get better, but this was my whole point on Levine. He proved me wrong in that I never would have given him that initial deal for $80 million. More power to Zach Levine. He's a really solid player, made a couple all-star teams. But the lens that you're going to view Zach Levine through once, uh, if the Bulls give him this max, is totally different. And he's just, you can be a max player in theory. And I love hearing Caps say, oh, he made two all-star teams and he was on the Olympic team. Yeah, that's great. But he's not going to win you a playoff series. <laughs> that's that's the problem. When you don't have superstar players that can pull you through playoff series, you can't win in this league. And that's why I always wanted everybody to have perspective when you're seeing Levine have huge games in the regular season or DeRozan was having those big games in December and was just kicking everybody's butt. Those games are all well and good. But if I've learned anything through the years, talking to all these different people around the league, in large part, those games don't really matter. Nobody really remembers those games. It's all about the postseason. And stars win in the postseason, and the Bulls don't have the stars they need to take that next step. So we're going to break the Internet right now, and you're going to tell everybody that Zach Levine should not get the full boat and that the Bulls should move on, right? There's no way I would give him that extension. But this hoodie, and, and you can attest to this, <laughs> I would have traded him a year and a half, two years ago. When Levine started off that deal, 
and he was really rolling, and, and he made that first all-star team, that's when I would have moved him because you would have gotten back in return a whole ton of stuff because it would have been another year and a half left on that deal, and then the next team could have made that decision. But at this point, and this is the problem the Bulls have, you can't just let an asset walk. And I feel like we're going back in time four years because the people who are saying, oh, well, you, you know, you're saying you wouldn't go uh, to $80 million, but you can't just let somebody uh, uh, that has that much talent just walk for nothing. Well, now I'm saying to anyone who says, okay, give Zach Levine the max, where, where are you going? What are you going to win? Like, where are you going with Zach Levine as – in this case, on this team, the number two option on your team. Levine has improved. He is a better player than he used to be. It is obvious that he works on his game. More power to him. But he's never going to be, in my opinion, a guy who is going to carry a team through the postseason. And if you're Karnasovis and Eversley, that is a hell of a conversation to have because I, I would think at this point – There are plenty of people in the organization who know that, but they also know that at this point, if you let him walk, what are you getting? And that was my whole point with the way this team was built because I just didn't understand why the Reinsdorfs, who never wanted to go all in to go to the first or second round, suddenly were going all in to go to the first and second round. So if it's me, I am absolutely not giving him that max deal and I'm trying to find some way to get something back in a signing trade. But, I mean, Sylvie has been all over me about that, you know, the last few weeks. What are you getting back in a signing trade? That's what I always tell them. You know, a pick? Like, nobody on the other side of a signing trade usually feels good about the return. So I, they're in a really tough spot. And the, the saddest part for all my friends back at home is, I don't know where you go because I don't see with the money that's already in place and the lack of draft picks in the future because of the other deals that have made where the turn is going to be where you think that much brighter days are ahead given what we've already seen from this group. My friend, as always, I appreciate your time. Uh, we just, I just wanted to do a wellness check more so than a conversation after your year or half a year with the Nets, <laughs> making sure that you're okay. <laughs> my man, everything that I have gone through in my professional <laughs> career mm-hmm. helped me prepare for these last few months with the Nets. There were never days where I was like, oh man, this is crazy, because I've seen a whole bunch of craziness all the time. But this was a hell of a ride. And again, I'm actually looking forward to next year because <laughs> it's not going to change too much. It's going to be the exact same day in and day out. Thank you, my friend, as always. You got it, my man. Fast Break is brought to you by Illinois Media School. Go to the website beyondair.com. It's beyondair.com or call 630-916-1700 to get your broadcasting career started. Nick Friedel with us here on Fast Break. Thanks for listening right here on ESPN Chicago.